Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to For Fox Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and the Iowa black-capped chickadee talking to me through my computer screen is Ellen. Another bird! Mm-hmm. We can literally fly into the Phoenix flashback. Last week, we covered the second half of Chapter 23, Christmas on the Closed Ward, and the corresponding film scenes that don't actually correspond much at all, though they did technically correspond to an earlier chapter, but in a very different way. In order to get to St. Mungo's, the gang and their guard likely become accomplices to Grand Theft Auto. It's all fun and games until someone gets a walnut jammed in their left nostril. Arthur's willingness to experiment with muggle first aid has Molly damn near ready to give him a whole new set of injuries. You can take the healer out of the hospital, but you sure can't take them out of their portraits, especially when they have a chance to diagnose a passerby. Lockhart still has an impressive amount of confidence, despite not knowing why. Ron's spectacular inability to read a room never fails to amaze those around him. And Harry once again worries that he's twinning with Boldy extra hard, but luckily Sirius is there to remind him he's just drunk on hormones. During episode 159, the sexy hippogriff calendar, our Potter pondering was... What are your thoughts on the movie changing how we learn about Neville's parents? Hi, Ellen and Katie. It's Megan calling in my Potter pondering. I really enjoyed the scene in the book where we learned about Neville's parents. We actually had an opportunity to meet them and watch the sweet exchange between Neville and his mom, even though it was pretty cringy with Ron's reaction, as usual. His lack of tact always makes things fun. So yeah, of course, I preferred it from the book. I always do. So yeah, that's that. Thanks. Hey guys, Jackson here with my Potter pondering for this week. How do I feel about them changing how we learn about Neville's parents? I mean, look, the movie did it okay. We still got some of the emotion in that from Neville. But yeah, I actually still like the way the book did it better. You know... I know this is one book back, but having Dumbledore tell Harry and then having Neville's grandmother tell everyone else, I think the book just did it better because there was more emotion in that of them all finding out together and especially the scene with Neville's mum and the bubble gum wrapper. That that just breaks your heart. And honestly, even though obviously... We'd all have been bawling our eyes out when we, if we'd seen that in the movie. I just think it would have been a better way to do it. Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. How do I feel about the movie's description of what happened to Neville's parents as opposed to how we learned about it in the book? You know how I feel. I feel disappointed. I've been let down so many times. Didn't know this podcast was going to break my heart, but moving on it just sucks because that just added so much depth and character development to neville as a whole that oh just the other scenes they added for him throughout the movies 
still makes him, you know, that guy, you know, my boy. People still have a lot of love for Neville, way more than they have for Dobby, who just got the short stick, my guy. But we didn't get to see the inside of St. Mungo's. And that pisses me off. And I get it. It's one scene. We don't want to CGI this whole area and spend tons of money for one scene that we could do without. But gosh, gosh. And oh, we're so due for a remake. This is the season of remakes. Everything has a remake. Make it. They do so much with just TV shows now. And not even just on like HBO Max, like Amazon Prime. Like these regular as subscription services, TV shows can do so much with CGI. Matter of fact, you can animate it. It don't even have to be 3D or Pixar. It could be some damn 2D drawings. I don't care. I will be happy. But we ain't getting it. We we ain't getting it. We ain't getting it no time soon. And it just sucks. It really sucks. But, hey, I appreciate Neville as a character. And I just wish we were able to see this on screen. Hi, Ellen. Hi, Katie. It's me, Quincy. So let's just jump right into it, right? There's a lot that we were missing. And Neville's parents' story is just one of the details that really was grinding my gears. Because the whole St. Mungo scene as a whole would have been genius. You know, we would have heard more from Arthur about the stitches. That would have been like a fun little detail. We would have heard the order whispering about Harry. That would have been great. We would have seen Gilderoy Lockhart and got that update. That like just felt like a slap in the face that we didn't get that. And then we would have really got to see some raw emotion from Neville as we saw his parents like seeing neville's parents or what and his mom would have been great i don't even think we really got to see his grandmother did we that would have been amazing as well so the fact that they took that from us i didn't like that hey this is jessica calling in my potter pondering for this week about neville's parents and saint mungo's not being included in the movie and I really hate that they cut out Neville's origin story. I mean, come on. When they have the little tidbit of Bella asking, how's mom and dad? It just doesn't have the same impact. The movie kind of gives the illusion that Frank and Alice are dead because they never specifically talk about the fact they were tortured to insanity. Bellatrix could have just as easily used a killing curse on them. Sure, it's all still heartbreaking for Neville either way, but I really think he deserved to have his backstory shared. He's using his father's wand, how his grandmother has his expectation for him to live up to his father's greatness, how his mother gives him the gum wrapper, showing in her own way that she does recognize him and loves him even though she can't express it in words. I also love that Harry tries to distract Ron from noticing Ms. Longbottom because he knows Neville doesn't want anyone to know about his parents being in the mental ward and why they're there. But yeah, it really should have all been in the movie. It's just one of the many stories that deserve to be kept in and would have added so much depth to a beloved character because no one who didn't read the books truly knows what Neville's life is like and that's really sad. 
he really does rise up to meet or honestly he exceeds the legacy of his parents and that story and his all his background deserves to be told in the movie on screen it should have been in there and i will always be super mad that it wasn't so yeah that's my two cents bye thank you so much for your responses our trivia question last week was what day and time does snape tell harry his first occlumency lesson would be snape visits harry at grim place to let him know that dumbledore wishes him to teach harry occlumency and that he will expect him in his office at 6 o'clock on Monday evening. Unless, of course, you're watching the movie, in which case that's not how it happens. Not even a little bit. Not even kinda. But congratulations goes to Mike Riley! Whoa! Fuck. What? <laughs> what? No. Woohoo. <laughs> Close enough. Sorry, Mike. The excitement is there. Sure. This was actually one of the most intense trivia weeks we've had in a while. Because Megan was literally seconds behind him. I'm telling you, the two of them could, like, rule the world if they just combine their powers. Right? It's a little scary. Seriously. And we initially thought that Mike had a 12-week streak. Mm -hmm. But it turns out, because we went in and made a spreadsheet for it, it turns out his streak was at 11 weeks. So Megan tied him in the previous episode. And had she won this, she would have beat his streak. But just by the skin of his teeth, he stopped her from breaking his own streak. Mike, you lucky bastard. Intense AF. <laughs> but I really wonder what's going to happen now. Is Megan going to restart her streak? Is Mike going to build one back up? Is somebody else going to take the reins? We shall see. For now, let's dive into the first half of Chapter 24, Occlumency and the no, no corresponding film scenes, because why would there be? Chapter 24, Occlumency, Part 1. As it turns out, Sirius finds Creature lurking in the attic, covered in dust, apparently looking for more black relics to squirrel away. Though Sirius seems perfectly satisfied with this story, Harry is not, especially since Creature seems to be in a better mood than before he disappeared seems to take orders more docilely, and keeps staring avidly at Harry and looking away quickly when caught. Harry does not mention these suspicions to Sirius, though, especially since his cheerfulness is rapidly evaporating on the other side of Christmas. The closer they get to going back to Hogwarts, the more grumpy Sirius becomes. Harry doesn't want to leave his godfather all alone with Creature again and isn't even looking forward to going back to Hogwarts himself, expecting Umbridge will have implemented a dozen more decrees in their absence. On top of that, there's no Quidditch and Dumbledore remains aloof. To make matters even worse, on the last day of the holiday, Mrs. Weasley interrupts Harry and Ron's chess match to let him know that Snape wants to have a private conversation with Harry in the kitchen. Harry is horrified and reluctantly heads down to the kitchen to find his greasy-haired potions professor sitting at the long table with Sirius, though both are resolutely glaring in opposite directions. Snape tells Harry to sit, which prompts Sirius to tell him not to give orders in his house, and the two bicker about Sirius's presence in the meeting. After a dig on Sirius feeling frustrated that he can't be useful to the order, Snape brings up the reason for his visit informing Harry that Dumbledore wishes him to study occlumency this term. 
Harry blankly wonders what that is, and with a sneer, Snape explains that it's a magical defense of the mind against external penetration. Harry's heart starts to pound, since they had all decided that he wasn't being possessed, and he questions why he needs to study it. The only answer Snape gives is that it's because the headmaster thinks it's a good idea, but then he also adds that he will receive the lessons once a week and is not to tell anyone about it, especially not Dolores Umbridge. When Harry asks who will be teaching the lessons and learns that they will be with Snape, he looks to Sirius for support. Sirius immediately and aggressively asks why Dumbledore can't teach the lessons, and Snape says that it's the headmaster's privilege to delegate less enjoyable tasks. He insists that he did not beg for the job and stands, telling Harry he expects him in his office at 6 o'clock on Monday evening, and if anyone asks, he is to tell them he is taking remedial potions. He turns to leave, but Sirius stops him to let him know that if he uses the Occlumency lessons to give Harry a hard time, he will have to answer to him. Snape sneers again and uses the opportunity to toss in an insult about how Harry is just as arrogant as his father, and the two men end up squaring up with their wands out. Harry yells no and tries to get between them, but before Sirius can push him aside, the kitchen door opens and the entire Weasley family, plus Hermione, enter and freeze. Mr. Weasley hesitates mid-announcement of being completely cured to ask what's going on, and both Sirius and Snape lower their wands, still extremely angry with one another, but brought back to their senses. Snape pockets his wand and strides past the Weasleys with no comment other than to remind Harry the time and date for their first lesson. Mr. Weasley again asks what was going on, but Sirius brushes the question off and comments on the great news of him being completely cured. Dinner that night should have been a cheerful one, with Mr. Weasley back, and Sirius tries to make it so, but keeps falling back into a brooding mood. Harry is sitting several people away from his godfather and doesn't get the chance to talk to him about the things Snape said to him, but does lower his voice to fill Ron and Hermione in on his occlumency lessons with Snape. Hermione figures he'll be relieved to stop having those dreams about Voldemort, but Ron thinks he'd rather have the nightmares than extra lessons with Snape. The next day, they return to Hogwarts on the night bus, accompanied by Tonks and Lupin. Harry does not want to say goodbye to Sirius because he doesn't know when they will see each other again, and he's worried he might do something stupid. Before he can think of anything to say to his godfather to try to prevent that from happening, Sirius gives him a badly wrapped package and tells him that it's a way to let him know if Snape is giving him a hard time. He tells him not to open it there since he doubts Molly would approve, but that he is to use it if he needs him. Harry agrees, but inwardly thinks that he will never use whatever it is since he doesn't want to be the one that lures Sirius out of his place of safety. They all say their goodbyes and Harry is hurried out the door by Tonks, who is disguised as a tall woman with iron gray hair. Lupin leads them to the sidewalk and number 12 disappears. He raises his right arm to summon the night bus, which immediately arrives with a bang. Tonks hurries them all on board, cutting off Stan Shunpike's welcome and threatening to curse him when he starts to call out Harry Potter's name. The last time Harry was on the night bus, it was filled with brass beds because it was evening. Since it is morning, the beds have been replaced with mismatched chairs that are mostly full. Tonks says they will have to split up and tells Fred, George, and Ginny to take the seats in the back with Remus, and she, Harry, Ron, and Hermione find seats up on the very top deck, 
followed by Stan Shunpike, who collects their 11 sickles each as the bus takes off again and sends Ron's chair toppling backwards. Pigwidgeon's cage bursts open and he flies up to the front of the bus and settles on Hermione's shoulder. Stan informs Harry that they are now just outside Birmingham and then comments on how much he's been seeing Harry's name in the paper, though it's never been anything nice, though he never thought he seemed like a nutter. With another loud bang, the bus jumps again, and Stan then informs Harry that they're going to stop at Hogwarts next at the request of the bossy woman up front, after they drop off Madame Marsh, who isn't feeling her best. A few minutes later, they stop in front of a pub to let her off, and then with another bang, they're rolling through a snowy hogsmeade and stopping outside the gates to Hogwarts. Lupin and Tonks help them all off with their luggage, telling them that they will be safe once on the grounds saying goodbye, and wishing them a good term. Lupin specifically tells Harry that he knows he doesn't like Snape, but they all want him to learn how to protect himself. Harry agrees, and they all struggle their way over the grounds with their trunks. Hermione is planning on knitting some elf hats before bed, and Harry finds himself looking back to the gates where the night bus had been and wishes he was still on it. He spends most of the next day dreading the evening, and his mood is even further lowered as more and more DA members ask him if there will be a meeting that night, and he has to tell them he has remedial potions. When Zacharias Smith tells Harry he must be terrible at potions before striding away, Ron offers to jinx him, but Harry just tells him to forget about it, and worries that everyone is just going to think he's really stupid. His concerns are interrupted by Cho Chang, who comes up behind him and says hi. He nervously says hi back, and Hermione tactfully drags Ron off to the library, leaving Harry and Cho to talk about their holidays before the latter mentions a Hogsmeade visit on Valentine's Day. A very clueless Harry wonders why she's telling him this, and starts to ask if she wants to know when the next DA meeting is, but doesn't get past the words, I suppose you want to, before she eagerly cuts him off to say, only if you do. Harry is so confused he doesn't respond, and a mortified Cho tells him it's okay if he doesn't and starts to walk away. As Harry stares after her, it clicks. He runs to catch up to her and asks if she would like to go to Hogsmeade with him on Valentine's Day. She blushes but smiles as she says yes, and Harry also feels much better himself. Now, at the end of our last episode, we had said that this episode would have corresponding film scenes that we took from a slightly earlier part of the movie, but as it turns out, those scenes don't even correspond until the second half of this chapter, so... That just leaves us to talk about all the shit that was left out, like we do. Like we do. Yeah. It's kind of our thing. We're kind of known for it at this point, I think. <laughs> so yeah, this book chapter starts out with the reappearance of Creature because he had been missing. Mm -hmm. Or I don't know if he was specifically thought to have been missing so much as they just weren't sure where he was. Yeah, he just wasn't kind of there. They thought he was somewhere in the house. And now Sirius finds him in the attic. And he's covered in dust and was apparently just looking for more relics that he could squirrel away in his little den. Mm -hmm. And I mean, dedication there, because obviously we already know where he really was. And we'll get to that in a little bit, few weeks, months, maybe. I don't know. But covered in dust. I mean, that is dedication to your story. I mean, to be fair, it's not hard to find dust in Grimmauld Place. 
<laughs> True. So it's not like he had to go searching for it, I don't think. I just imagine him returning and just like rolling around on the ground for a while. <laughs> but I've been here all along. What, whatever do you mean, master? I've been here this entire time. And Sirius just completely swallows this story. He is not suspicious at all. He's just like, yeah, okay, sure, that, that attracts. That attracts, yeah, sure. But Harry, on the other hand, notices little things, like Creature seems like he's in a better mood than before he disappeared. Mm-hmm. He's even taking orders better. There's a little bit less mumbling yeah. of insulting things under his breath. And then on top of that, he keeps staring at Harry, but then looks away really quickly when caught. Yeah. It's a little sus. That's entirely sus. And we also already know that this is foreshadowing. It just maybe wasn't really specifically something we would have picked up on right away because it was included in a way that seemed kind of insignificant. It was just a thing that got mentioned in passing. I mean, if we had a nickel, though. Right. For every time that happened. And it was even more insignificant in the movie since it didn't fucking happen at all. So. Right. Like, they could have easily included it, too, especially since there was that scene where Sirius told Creature to get out of the room with the family tree. Yeah, he could have just gone missing right after that. Yeah. And then it could have led up this whole thing. Yeah, Sirius does the whole, away with you. They could have built upon that. They seriously could have. The fact that they didn't makes me really angry. Yeah. Even to just have him go missing for a little bit. Because he plays such a big role and it becomes more significant later. Right. In the series. Right. And they tried to write him out of this movie completely. Yeah. They weren't even going to have him in there. So I guess at least they put him in the movie. But they took away a good chunk of his significance. I mean, I don't entirely feel like I should thank them for, like, barely slapping me. Like, they still hit me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think I should thank them. Well, at least they put him in at all. I'm not thanking you for that, sir. Like, they kept him in, but... Insignificantly. Very insignificantly. And it was just frustrating as fuck. Which is exactly why I think this should be our pondering, because I have a feeling Ashley has a rant about this one that she needs to get off her chest. And I know I want to hear it. Ashley doesn't rant. What? <laughs> That's silly talk. But anyway, Harry sees all of these super sus things, but decides not to mention it to Sirius because now that they're on the other side of Christmas, all of that cheerfulness that he had of having a full house for the holidays is really starting to deplete. Mm -hmm. And he's just getting surlier and surlier. Now it's the countdown to them going back to school and him and being, being alone again. And yeah. yeah. Not to mention the fact, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of one of those people where I am cool with snow and cold weather. Up until New Year's. I'm cool with it. That's fine. It can go ahead and be snowy. Once we're past that, fuck off. <laughs> I am cool with snow if I get snow days. I mean, yeah, I don't get those. If I can stay wrapped in a blanket with a mug of hot chocolate looking at the pretty snow through my window warm in my house, fine, whatever, snow. If I have to go anywhere, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, basically Sirius is like sans hot chocolate right now. Yes. And warm blanket. And warm blanket, yes. Poor Sirius. Poor Sirius. And this totally makes Harry not want to leave him alone with only creature for company. Well, yeah. And then on top of that, with all of the shit going down at Hogwarts, he doesn't even really want to go back there because you've got 
Pepto Bitch Mall, who's probably implemented like a thousand more decrees while they were gone. Uh-huh. And he's not allowed to play Quidditch, and Dumbledore still won't look at him. Yeah, it's not a very promising year. Really, all he has to look forward to is his DA meetings. Yeah. But if all of that wasn't enough to make him dread going back to Hogwarts. On their very last day of holiday, Mrs. Weasley pops in their room to interrupt him and Ron playing chess to say, Oh, Professor Snape wants to have a word with you. Never has there been a more unfortunate collection of words. And that's not even the part that makes matters worse. That's just the lead into making matters worse. Right. So Harry's just completely horrified and just goes, Snape? Are you sure? (laughs) Right. And Mrs. Weasley does that thing where she's like, you got to respect the teacher's professor, Snape. And Harry's like, yeah, him. Why (laughs) does he want to see me? Down in the kitchen. Let's go. No explanation at all. Just down to the kitchen. So he reluctantly follows her down there. And walks into the kitchen to find Professor Snape, or just Snape, as Harry likes to call him. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he has some other choice nicknames for him. I was going to say, that's the nicest of the nicknames. Right. Snivellus. That's not Harry's, but it's there. It is there. Anyway, Snivellus is sitting at the kitchen table with Sirius. And they're both staring away from one another but they are not just staring they are glaring they're like glaring at each other in opposite directions i'm sure like i have this feeling that they are just imagining the other's face and glaring at them but refusing to actually really look at each other they are aggressively ignoring each other yes that's what it is until snape speaks up telling harry to take a seat and sirius says you know what don't give orders in my house and then they start bickering about Whether or not Sirius is even supposed to be there because Snape was supposed to talk to Harry alone and... They're such children. I am so angry that the movies did not give us more Alan Rickman and crazy Gary Oldman interacting. Right? That would have been pretty glorious. We got so built. There was like the one little scene. We had the scene in Prisoner of Azkaban and that was glorious as hell. Yeah. And there was still an abbreviated version of what really happened in the book. And there were several other opportunities like this one. Exactly. That would have been so good to see. Can you just that much greatness just combating and acting? Like, oh. Right. Not to mention Gary Oldman and Alan Rickman. Ugh. All the things. Yeah. I'm really upset about this. I'm upset too, but my voice doesn't work. So you can't actually hear my upsetness. Y'all, I can see it on her face. It's there. The disappointment is real. Anyway, the two men are just bickering about Sirius staying for the meeting because Snape knows that he likes to feel included and Sirius is just like, what's that supposed to mean? You know, only that you can't do anything useful for the order. Yeah. Even makes a comment about how convenient it is. That he got recognized in dog form, so now he can't leave the house. Basically calling him a coward. It doesn't go well. Yeah. But Snape just gets right to the reason for his visit. Kind of cuts off that argument there. And tells Harry that Dumbledore wants him to study occlumency this term. Study the what now? That's exactly what Harry says. (laughs) LOL what? (laughs) And... With his standard sneer, Snape explains that it's a magical defense of the mind against external penetration. (laughs) That's dirty. And Harry's just completely like, 
but I'm not being possessed, so why do I need to study this? And Snape explains that basically Dumbledore said so, so it's going to happen. Yeah. And Harry's just there like, not a good enough reason to use the word penetration. Right, exactly. I think every reason's a good enough reason to use the word penetrate, that's me. <laughs> You're dirty, that's why. You love me. I do. <laughs> Snape also tells Harry that he's going to get the lessons once a week and he can't tell anyone about it, you know, except for Ron and Hermione because he tells them everything. I was going to say, he's going to tell them anyway. And Snape really just says, don't tell anybody. I added the except for Ron and Hermione because we know that he's not going to not tell them. It just goes unsaid. But he does specifically say, especially not Pepto Bitch Mom. Well, darn, what are we going to talk about during all of our heart to hearts? Right? But I feel like that should give Harry just a little, tiny little sliver of... Harry and Snape against the bitch mall, you know? like Yeah. Like, that should have been something to just give him the teeniest bit of, oh, Snape's going to help me defy this bitch? Like a tiny bit of camaraderie. A little bit, little like, bit. Not really, but it should I don't been. know that that's what you would call it, for sure. But just kind of a way to show, like, oh, okay, Snape's not all bad. And I love this part, too. Not because there's anything especially lovable about it. It's more just one of those things that shows that Harry was not meant to be in Ravenclaw in any way shape or form <laughs> because his follow-up question to don't tell Pepto bitch mall is who's going to be teaching me these lessons who the fuck do you think bro like why do you think Dumbledore sent me like what did Dumbledore send me here to tell you that McGonagall was going to teach you this no he'd fucking send McGonagall right dude context clues motherfucker Harry's not really good at that he's not Unless, of course, it's convenient to the plot, then all of a sudden he is. <laughs> Unless it requires meddling. Yes. And then he's got it. Anyway, he learns that they're from Snape, panics again, looks to Sirius for help, and Sirius immediately wants to know why Dumbledore can't teach the lessons. And Snape's just like, because that would require Dumbledore to look at and talk to Harry, which we know he's not doing now. Ooh. Actually, what he really says is, it's the headmaster's privilege to delegate less enjoyable tasks, and I assure you I did not beg for the job. <laughs> Which is just such a Snape thing to say, and I'm really mad. There is no Alan Rickman delivering this line flawlessly for us. No. It's so disappointing. Ew, David. Ew, David, indeed. How dare you. Right? How dare dare you. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> But anyway, he tells Harry that he expects him in his office at 6 o'clock on Monday evening for their first lesson. Which was our trivia question. Sure was. Now this part I actually love, again, not because it's lovable, but just because it's the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard ever. And I don't know why they would expect anybody to believe this as a cover story. But Snape tells Harry that if anybody asks, he's supposed to tell them that he's taking remedial potions. And that's why he has extra lessons with Snape. Wow. Who is actually going to believe that Snape would take extra time out of his day to help Harry be better at potions when he fucking terrorizes him in every potions class? I mean, who wouldn't believe that Snape would take the opportunity to terrorize Harry more often <laughs> with more potions shit? I don't get enough of this during the day, so one more extra time a week. <laughs> Oh, yay, more time that I can take my anger out on my high school bully by taking it out on his fucking kid who had nothing to do with any of it. Oh, man, use that extra time to get some therapy. Hmm, we don't do that in this book. Seriously. 
<laughs> for any book. <laughs> right. But anyway, with these words, Snape feels as though he has sufficiently delivered his message and stands to leave. But Sirius stops him mm-hmm. and informs him that if he finds out that he's using Occlumency to give Harry a hard time, he will have to answer to him. Because he's got to do his dogfather duties, you know. Right? Snape sneers as only Snape can sneer. Snape sneers sneerily. Yes. Snape sneerily sneers as only Snape can sneerily sneer. (laughs) And uses this as an opportunity to toss in an insult about the arrogance of Harry's father and how Harry's just like him. So sure any kind of insults or things like that just roll right off his back and he'll be fine he's like yeah i'm gonna fuck with him but he's just like his dad he's so arrogant it's not gonna bother him that's why i'm gonna keep doing it come on what he's gonna be a bitch he's not gonna be a bitch come on but sirius is not having this and they start throwing more insults at one another again so pissed we didn't have this right and it culminates to the two of them standing with their wands raised and pointed at one another. And Harry in between them trying to force them apart. <laughs> and Sirius trying to push him aside. And this glorious shit show that's about to go down gets interrupted with the return of Mr. Weasley, who is out of the hospital in what I think is a far more interesting way than they did it in the movie. Dead is back. <laughs> And instead, he gets to walk right into shit's about to go down. (laughs) And he's like walking through the door, completely cured, and then just stops and stares. And everybody just stops in the doorway because it's Mr. (laughs) Weasley, the entire Weasley family and Hermione all just standing in the doorway like, what the fuck, guys? (laughs) You are grown ass men. Get the fuck over this shit. We can't leave you alone for five fucking minutes. Seriously? Like, really, guys? No, they can't, apparently. Dude, you are grown-ass men. Sit the fuck down, shut the fuck up, and let's be happy that Arthur's alive, motherfuckers. Come on. And that is essentially what does happen now. Mm-hmm. It seems that the arrival of the entire Weasley clan and a cured Mr. Weasley going, what's going on, brings them back to their senses. <laughs> so they do lower their wands, though they're still glaring at each other. Like they do. You're right. And Snape just puts his in his pocket and just walks right past him, doesn't say a word. He has not going to justify himself, defend himself or anything. He's just going to get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. The only thing that he does say is a reminder to Harry about the date and time. 6 p.m. Monday. Be, Be there, there, chump. <laughs> Such a big man picking on a 15-year-old. I'm sure it made him feel better about himself in some way. Mm-hmm. Boy, he really showed him. Yeah. But anyway, once Snape is gone, Mr. Weasley again tries to ask, what's going on? Just let it go, man. And Sirius just kind of gives it, oh, nothing, nothing. So you're completely cured. That's great news. Mm-hmm. Very veiled subject change there. Super subtle. Did you just say veiled? I did. Sirius and veils don't oh. go together. They make me sad. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Super subtle. Mm -hmm. Their last dinner before heading back to Hogwarts that night should have been very cheerful since Mr. Weasley was back, not on Christmas Day like they did in the movie. And Sirius really is trying to make it cheerful, but again, every single time he thinks nobody's looking at him or that he's not specifically saying something. Like, he'll say something in a really hearty voice and then sit back in his seat and just brood. 
his mask loses the batteries. Yeah. He is putting on a good show. He's just not staying in character. Mm-hmm. I know how that goes. Yeah. And Harry is sitting a few people away from him, so he doesn't even have the opportunity to talk about what happened with Snape, because he really wants to try and reassure him mm-hmm. and make sure that he's not going to do anything stupid because Snape is bullying him or trying to. Stupid like what you did this afternoon? Right. I'm sure he's worried that at some point during these Occlumency lessons, Sirius is just going to burst back into Hogwarts or something worse. <laughs> The only thing that he does get to do during dinner is to quietly fill Ron and Hermione in on the fact that he has Occlumency lessons with Snape because, you know, he's not supposed to tell anyone. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously. So the first thing that he does, tell Ron and Hermione, which we said he would. Well, they're not just anyone. No. They're two anyones. They're someones. They're someones. Hermione figures that Harry's going to be relieved to stop having the nightmares about Voldemort. Mm-hmm. But Ron was like, I would rather have nightmares than extra lessons with Snape. That might be a good pondering in itself, too. Would you rather have nightmares or would you rather have extra lessons with Snape? Ooh. Hmm. How bad are these nightmares? Just out of curiosity. Just think about your worst nightmare. Yeah, but you always wake up from it. <laughs> and then there's also the possibility that they're real. Well, sure. If you want to be technical. <laughs> Like, if you want to throw out the big guns, sure. Yeah, okay. The lessons seem better. But they're lessons with Snape. I feel like the lessons with Snape might be a little bit more satisfying because you'd at least get the opportunity to be sassy to Snape when he's being a dick to you. Yeah, but you're also, like, in a lesson with Snape by yourselves. And that man knows where to hide bodies. And how to dissolve them in various potions and whatnot. Well, he's not evil. He's just a dick. Yeah. Dicks hurt. That sounded... I... (laughs) Awkward. Um... Anywho, let's just keep moving on. (laughs) It is now the next day. They are going to go back to Hogwarts on the night bus. And Ron's super excited about this because he's always wanted to ride on the night bus. I love that the most wizarding character of the trio is the last one to ride the fucking night bus well i mean they had a enchanted car for a while i know but it's not a lot of money to ride the bus but it's just kind of funny yeah of all the people that never got to ride the night bus it's ron well he's about to get to Mm -hmm. they're all accompanied by tonks and lupin and the morning of Harry doesn't want to say goodbye to his dog father because he doesn't know when they'll see each other again. And like I said, he's worried he might do something stupid. Aww. It'll be okay, guys. Will it, though? I mean, it would have been had things gone differently. (laughs) Well, (laughs) he tries to think of some words, some parting words that'll encourage him not to do anything stupid. Mm Mm-hmm. But before he can even think of what he could possibly say, Sirius just gives him this badly wrapped package and tells him that it's a way for him to let him know if Snape is messing with him. Oh, god damn. And Harry starts to open it, but Sirius stops him and says, don't open it here. I doubt Molly would approve, but use it if you need it. And Harry's like, sure thing, even though in his head he's going, yeah, I'm never going to use this if it's going to encourage you to do something stupid, which is what I'm trying to get you to avoid doing because sometimes you're stupid. That was a nice way of putting it. (laughs) 
Last thing he wants to do is lure Sirius out of safety. True. And he is definitely lurable. Is lurable a word? It is now. Uh Alright. Sure, you did just say it. But they all say their goodbyes and a gray-haired, tall woman that is actually Tonks in disguise just rushes Harry out the door. And then it's Lupin who leads them down to the sidewalk, which once they reach, number 12 Grimald Place just completely disappears because that's what it does. Mm-hmm. And Lupin raises his right arm to summon the night bus, which appears with a bang because that's what it does. Mm-hmm. How it rolls. Yep. That's literally how it rolls. <laughs> and then Tonks hurries them all on board because they don't want to be out in the open for that long. And, of course, you've got Stan Shunpike being Stan Shunpike. Super excited to see Harry and starts to say his name really loudly. And Tonks just says, if you shout his name, I will curse you into oblivion. <laughs> we are oh. trying to go incognito here. Shut the fuck up. Oh, Stanny. I love this fun little detail, too. The last time that Harry was on the night bus, it was filled with brass beds. Because mm-hmm. it was nighttime. And everybody was sleeping. Sure. For their ride. Which... Since they can, like, magically kind of disappear and reappear in places and, like, kind of hop around, I'm sure it drives some, too. But it just seems funny to me that the journeys are even long enough to need a bed to sleep in. But, hey, whatever. Right. Since they're getting on the bus in the morning, all of those beds have been replaced with mismatched chairs that are not only mostly full. They're apparently not bolted down at all. And they're just, like, chairs. They're just chairs? There's just chairs. Just Set everywhere, filling up the bus. All higgledy-piggledy and whatnot. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. But because they're mostly full, Tonk says they're going to have to split up. And she sends Fred, George, and Ginny to take some seats in the back with Lupin. And she, Harry, Ron, and Hermione have to head up to the very top deck. And Hermione ends up in a seat up towards the front. And Harry and Ron end up towards the back. But they're followed by Stan Shunpike, who collects their 11 sickles for the ride. Mm Mm-hmm. And then as the bus takes off again, because the chairs are not attached to anything at all, it just sends Ron's chair toppling completely backwards and he just hits the floor. Sure. Pigwidgeon's cage just bursts open and this really annoyed tiny owl just flies out. He's just like, fuck this. But he goes up to Hermione and just like perches on her shoulder and just hangs out there. (laughs) I feel like there's a lawsuit just waiting to happen on this night bus. Yeah. It does not sound very safe. No. Not at all. Stan's just kind of fangirling over Harry. Like he does. Because even though he's not allowed to say his name, he still knows exactly who he is. Right. And he's just trying to have a conversation with him. So he ends up answering a question that Harry was wondering anyway. Not that he had asked out loud, but tells him that they're just outside of Birmingham. And says that he's seen his name in the paper a lot, though it's never anything nice. And he was saying to the bus driver, Ernie, that, you know, they had him on the bus and he didn't seem like a nutter then, but just goes to show. Can't always tell. Oh, Stan, you just have such terrible social skills. Gets him in trouble later for sure. Well, definitely. Anyway, there's another loud bang because the bus does its magical jump again. Ron's chair gets knocked over again and he's picking himself up off the floor like, you know what? I changed my mind. I don't really want to be on the night bus. Right. But thanks to Tonks, who Stan refers to as the bossy woman up front, she persuaded him to move the Hogwarts stop up to get him off the bus sooner for their own safety, I'm sure. Maybe also a little bit for Stan's. Yeah. 
He just says that they have to drop Madame Marsh off first because she isn't feeling her best. And I love the fact that she's on this bus again because this is the same woman that was getting sick Mm -hmm. when Harry wrote it the last time. So she apparently just doesn't learn or doesn't have any other way to travel at all. She just gets super bus sick. I was going to say, she needs to like invest in some anti-nausea medication or, you know. Anti-nausea potions. Anti-nausea potions. But they stop off in front of a pub and let her off. And with another bang, they... Wait a minute. They dropped her off at a pub? Yeah. Well, now we know why she was fucking sick. Right? (laughs) At least she's not driving or flying, I guess. That's the important thing. Good on you, Madam March. I was trying to think of another word for Uber that could be magical. <gasps> Fluber. Yes. Like flu powder. <laughs> Fluber. That's it. There Fluber. it is. She could take the Fluber. There's an app for that. Anyway, they are rolling through a snowy Hogsmeade and the bus stops outside the gates to Hogwarts and Lupin and Tonks help them off with their luggage, but they don't walk them all the way up. They just help him off at the gate, tell him they'll be safe once on the grounds, and say goodbye, and they wish them a good term. And Lupin specifically tells Harry, hey, man, look, I know that you don't like Snape. I'm not that fond of him either. But we all want you to learn how to protect yourself. Yeah. Like, you need to do this. Sorry that it's going to suck, but you need to learn this. So Harry agrees, and then they get back on the bus, and the... Weasley clan and Harry and Hermione just struggle across the ground with their trunks because, you know, they're back on Hogwarts ground. Heaven forbid they use locomotor trunk or something, but... Right. Whatever. Heaven forbid. While they walk, they're just kind of chit-chatting, and Hermione's already planning on knitting some more elf hats before she goes to bed, but Harry just keeps looking back at the gate. The night bus is already gone, but he's just kind of wishing he was still on it. Just wistfully, some slow instrumental british music playing in the background like (laughs) he spends the majority of the next day just dreading that evening Mm -hmm. and his occlumency lessons with his favorite professor yeah his mood keeps getting lowered as more and more da members keep coming up to him being like hey are we gonna have a meeting tonight did your coin fucking get warm Motherfucker, do you realize that standard protocols are still in place? And for some reason, like, nobody specifically asked. But for some reason, he was still telling them that he couldn't have a meeting tonight. He has remedial potions. Mm. Like, dude, just say, you know, we just got back. Yeah. We're going to have to do it later in the week once I get adjusted. Yeah. Don't tell people you have remedial potions unless they're flat out like, why do you have extra lessons with Snape? Yeah. If somebody flat out says, why do you have extra lessons with Snape? Then you can say, oh, I'm doing remedial potions. But are we having a meeting tonight? No, we can't. I'm doing remedial potions. Like, why would you shoot yourself in the foot like that? Yeah. Why would you bring that to light? Let's not offer this up unless necessary. Yeah. Because Zachariah Smith, Tells Harry that he must be terrible at potions if Snape's doing extra lessons with him because he doesn't really do that. Like I said, people aren't actually going to swallow this. Right? And as he walks away, Ron's like, do you want me to jinx him? But Harry's just too depressed to even get angry about it. He's just like, just forget it. Everybody's just going to think I'm really stupid, right? Yeah, that's why you don't tell him you have remedial potions unless they specifically ask. Right? Sorry, guys, I can't tonight. Don't offer up more information than you need to, guy. Sorry, guys. I can't tonight. 
There's no need to offer that up. Why would you tell them that? On a happier note, though, his concern that everybody's just going to think he's stupid because he's freely offering up the fact that he is taking remedial potions is interrupted by none other than Cho Chang. Uh, Cho Chang. She comes up behind him to say hi. Hi, Harry. Does the cutesy like cover his eyes? Guess who? Right. Guess who? <laughs> he nervously says hi back. Now, mind you, at this point, they have kissed. Mm-hmm. It was a very tearful kiss, but it has happened. It has happened, yeah. Hurdle has been hurdled. Hurdle has been hurdled, sure. Yeah. But yeah, so he says hi back, and Hermione, who is very tactful, just grabs Ron by the arm and drags him away, telling Harry that they're going to be in the library. Mm-hmm. Because she's a good wingman, even if Ron's an idiot. Right. And this leaves Harry and Cho to talk about their holidays and make little small talk. And then Cho Chang finally gets to the point that she wanted to bring up, which was the next Hogsmeade visit is on Valentine's Day. Oh, isn't that convenient? Well, Harry, who has been needlessly informing people that he is in remedial potions is also really fucking clueless when it comes to things like this because he's just standing there going why is she telling me this good lord harry harry this is why you get no bitches (laughs) this is why you get no bitches sir yeah he's literally like why is she telling me this and starts to say well i suppose you want to know when the next da meeting is because that's what everybody else has been coming up to ask him Uh... and he doesn't get past the words I suppose you want to, before Cho eagerly says, only if you do. Cho is so thirsty, too. And Harry is just so dumb. Because he's like, only if you do. What does that have to do with the next DA meeting? And he's just standing there like deer in headlights, not knowing what to say, which mortifies Cho, who's just like, oh, it's okay if you don't. And she's just like, walk away, cut her losses. Mm -hmm. And as Harry watches her walk away... Somebody flips the freaking light switch and it all clicks for him. Oh. And he just goes, Joe, and runs after her and says, do you want to go to Hogsmeade with me on Valentine's Day? Good God damn, sir. Like, sorry, I'm an idiot. I get it now. Oh. Would you like to go with me? And she blushes and says, "Ooh, yes. And Harry's just like, well, it's settled then. And there's one little extra ray of sunshine in his return to Hogwarts. He's such a boy. He is such a boy. <sighs> and we didn't really get anything like this. We had that little moment where the two were like walking back from Hogsmeade or something, walking through the courtyard yeah. together. And that was right before Hermione came up and was like, Hagrid's back. And then he was like, okay, deuces. And he pieces out. And that was right after the kiss because this all got sort of mishmashed ordered Thanks to the montage. Yeah. But we never really got to see that moment where they finally got past the hurdle. Right. When they finally hurdled over the hurdle. There was no hurdling. There was zero hurdling. There was no hurdling. It was sad. It was just awkward wet kiss into sort of date and then the end. Which we'll get to. Like, they didn't really do anything. And this was really cute. And it just would have been nice to see a little bit more development. Right. Not really necessary to the story, but it would have been nice to see. I can kind of understand how it was unnecessary. However, at the same time, 
I also feel that it was so abruptly just cut out. There should have been a little more resolve to it. Well, like we said, longest book, shortest movie. Mm -hmm. And since there were no movie scenes, that means there were no actors to talk about. So that'll bring us to this week's Potter Pondering, which is, what are your thoughts on how the movie didn't include the detail that Creature went missing for a while? And then, bonus Potter Pondering, would you rather have nightmares, could be your worst nightmares or nightmares about Voldemort, or extra lessons with Snape? I'm still on the fence, man. (laughs) Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts, or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget you can also stitch your response on TikTok. Make sure you get them to us the Wednesday before the episode goes up so that we can be sure to include them in if you want. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. This will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Sunny Han. They write... So I actually discovered Harry Potter through my youth group at church, probably the only good thing to come from a church youth group. (laughs) And I got the audiobook because the books were all checked out at the library. I had the Jim Dale version and was mostly confused by a lot of things. A school that's magical but named something weird like Hogwarts? Didn't have the internet then, so I couldn't really double check anything All I could do was replay Hogwarts over and over to confirm that the name of the school was something like Toad Pimple. So weird. The audiobook provides a tune when they sing the school song. Hoggy Warty Hogwarts is still a phrase that pops into my head from time to time. I remember being drawn to the Hufflepuff house because it sounded the most pleasant, soft and not aggressive. Fast forward to the explosion of the fandom, I was pretty sure Hogwarts wasn't real, but waited for my letter anyway. And there were those Angel Fire GeoCity websites that had Hogwarts quizzes. Every quiz I've taken since has sorted me into Ravenclaw, even now, despite the fact that initially, I was definitely interested in Hufflepuff. I don't remember my wand. It had a phoenix feather core, though, originally. But let's just say I lost it. When I retook the quiz, my new wand is 13-inch Elderwood with a dragon heartstring core. I'm not as into Harry Potter as much as I used to be. I think I'm part of the fandom that is nostalgic but not actively consuming JKR's content. I would feel like a fraud or something if I did, you know? Which I can totally get because sometimes, even though I'm not part of that community wanting to ally, Mm -hmm. I don't feel always right about continuing this podcast and wanting to go see Cursed Child and who knows if they're going to keep making Fantastic Beasts and the video game coming out. And I know that she doesn't even play that much of a role in any of them anymore, but she still gets the royalties from all that shit. Yeah. And there's no full way to separate her, at least not financially, from it. I like to think that we do as much as we can buying fan-made creations and conventions that have nothing to do with her you know and supporting the fans like we do our fan art friday when i'm up on posts exactly yeah and trying to support the fans and the people that still love it and that nostalgia yeah because we can't deny that it played a huge role in our lives Mm -hmm. i mean 20 plus years that you can't just cut that out and say oh it's a shame 
Oh no, can't so like sad. this anymore. Yeah. Right. It still means so much to us. Yeah. At its heart, we're all going to take our own lessons from it. And that's something that no one can take away from us. Yeah. And I feel like continuing to talk about it always provides us with an opening to discuss the issues at hand as well, too, and keep them prevalent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we do get it. I understand why you would feel like a fraud and wanted to thank you for letting us share your sorting hat story. So thank you, Sunny. Yes, thank you so much. And if any of the other keepers out there listening would like us to read your sorting hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at forfoxsakepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media. This week's trivia question is, what hex does Harry produce to ward off Snape the first time he cast Legilimens on him? The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word hashtag lost control will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at forfoxsakepodcast at gmail.com to let us know you did and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at foxsakepod. Following us on Podbean at foxsakepod.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. You can also go to our website at forfoxsakepodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos. If you would like to support us as a patron, you can sign up on patreon.com slash foxsakepod. $2 and up a month will get you some awesome perks like For Fox Sake swag, access to patron-only Facebook groups, chats, our Discord channel, virtual hangouts, and more. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated, even if it's just telling your Harry Potter friends about us. And if you don't have any Harry Potter friends, there's another reason to join our Patreon because you will meet some of the best Harry Potter people ever. I mean, just the best people ever, really. There's that too. Period. End of sentence. And join us next week when we talk about the second half of Chapter 24, Occlumency, and the corresponding film scenes that we had to take from a slightly earlier part of the movie to line them up with this chapter. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. And in the meantime... Keep calm and hairy on! Oh, for fuck's sake.